episode number 26. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor-Gura. Welcome, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I wanted to start out this episode by sharing with you an email I received last week by a podcast listener named Shari. With her permission, I'm going to share with you three things that she wrote to me. The first thing that she wrote was regarding episode number 25 on considering walking alone. She said it touched her. She said it actually touched her to the point of tears as she was listening to the podcast on the way to work. And what she wanted to suggest to me was basically another consideration, which is wonderful because when we are stuck, we can't see other perspectives to our stories, right? Sometimes it takes another person to help us see the grander picture, I'm actually going to talk more about that on episode number 28. So make sure you tune into that podcast on the power of talking out your story with somebody else. Anyway, this is what she wrote. I thought about another consideration for your story. And that is how blessed you were to have your very best friend living so close to you for the last seven years. Perhaps you can look back and appreciate that experience which is becoming unique in this day and age. In our modern society, we are so used to just pulling into our garages and can go weeks without seeing our neighbors, especially in the colder months. How lucky you were to feel so connected to someone who was just steps away from you. So instead of focusing only on the sadness of your loss, shift your focus to the blessing of your friendship. Yes, absolutely. That is a wonderful consideration. And you are totally right, Shari. And I thank you for sharing your wisdom with me. Secondly, Shari, you thanked me for introducing you to the world of podcasting. Shari and I don't know each other, but we met via a mutual Facebook friend. And she wrote that because I had actually urged her to try listening to my podcast She said she always had the podcast app on her phone, but she never really noticed it. And since then, she has started exploring and subscribing to other podcasts as well. And it's making her commute easier and more enjoyable, which is wonderful. And let me tell you, my dear listeners, she is not the first person to have told me this. There are so many people in the world that are still unfamiliar with podcasts, They just don't know how to access them, how to find them, how to listen to them. And I'm really glad that she wrote this to me because it reminded me of that fact. Finally, she commented on how I've been continuing to ask for iTunes reviews. And she wanted to know what about people who listen on non-Apple devices? And is there a way for them to leave a review elsewhere? So, Shari, thank you again. And first, I just want to explain. 
I do realize that there are listeners out there that don't listen via iTunes. Perhaps they listen through my website at their desktop computer, or they listen on a podcast app on their Android. In fact, I don't even have an iPhone, and I don't listen to my podcasts on iTunes either. But apparently, the majority of people do. And when I was learning how to launch my podcast, I was taught that asking and receiving iTunes ratings and reviews would help get my podcast more known to the world, which of course is something I'm aiming to do. I have content that I feel many people around the world could benefit from, and so my goal is to find a way to get that content to reach them. And one of the most effective ways is via iTunes, which is why, even though I don't listen to my podcasts on iTunes, I do open iTunes on my laptop to write in my reviews and ratings to the podcasts that I enjoy and receive value from. That being said, Shari, you are right again. Yes, you can leave a review anywhere, like on Stitcher or Podcast Addict. Any which way you hear this podcast, you can leave a review for me, and that will really help those who use those other platforms to be able to find out more about it. So enough about reviews. Let's move on to the story for the week. So let me ask you a question before I begin. Are you a morning person? Do you easily get out of bed? Are you excited for the day ahead of you when you wake up? Do you wake up with an alarm clock? Or do you wake up naturally? And if it's an alarm clock, Do you hit the snooze button once or twice before you actually get out of bed? Just food for thought as I begin this story. I chose to share this particular story this week for two reasons. One, the Getting Unstuck retreat is now less than two weeks away, and those who are registered have had a chance to speak with me personally over the phone to go over the schedule and ask any questions they may have before the retreat. Some of the participants were shocked to hear that we'd be waking up at six in the morning. (laughs) So I wanted to put this podcast episode together and share this with them so they understand the reason why. The other reason is, is I was trying to actually make a time to talk with a relative of mine who is seven hours earlier than me. And when I told him I could talk at like five in the morning, my time, He was super curious to know, why am I awake at five in the morning? So here we go. When I was a teenager, I liked to sleep. Just ask my parents. Honestly, I think I was able to sleep in until like one or two in the afternoons easily if I had nothing else planned. But since those teenage years, I've done a complete turnaround with my sleep-wake schedule. And here's why. When I was studying for my master's degree in occupational therapy at Boston University, I started taking yoga classes for fun, and I fell in love with them. I was not only taking yoga classes each week, I started practicing yoga on my own, in my bedroom, in the morning before I would go to the university, or in the evening before I went to bed. I loved it so much, I ended up getting certified as a yoga instructor. And I've been teaching for about 20 years now, having taught in yoga studios and gyms and local JCCs. 
But going back to Boston for a moment, it was also there that I met my husband. And within a couple of years, we had our first child. And that's where my yoga life kind of got interrupted, you can say. Why? Because I kind of lost my freedom in terms of when I could practice. I no longer was able to be spontaneous about when I could roll out the mat. I now had a dependent who needed me to nurse her and burp her and rock her and soothe her and all that other good stuff. I didn't feel free anymore. At least that's how I felt. And my self-care kind of started to suffer, you can say. But basically what I realized a few months after my daughter was born and she started sleeping through the night, hence I started sleeping through the night again, I realized I needed to take responsibility for my self-care. I couldn't let the excuse of having a child, of course I, I knew I wanted more, I couldn't let that negatively affect me. And so what I decided was this, to embrace my mornings. In other words, once my daughter was on a schedule, I knew more or less when she was going to wake up. So I decided to set my alarm and wake up before her. Very strategic, right? But that decision really changed my life because instead of waking up to a crying baby, I ended up waking up, maybe going to the bathroom and then doing some meditation and some gentle yoga, prayer, whatever it was that I wanted to do that day. And then when the baby woke up, I was like a different person. I was ready to receive her, ready to give my love to her. I had more patience, knowing that I had already taken care of myself a little bit that morning, that I had given myself attention. Even if it lasted shorter than I had expected, whatever I got in was always worth waking up for, always. Now, I've had three more kids since then. And I can't say I've been consistently embracing my mornings for the last 16 years. It's been kind of, you know, on and off. And what I briefly want to share with you today is about the times when it goes off, when I get stuck, like last week. So we're now into the fall season, and it's getting darker in the mornings and colder in the mornings. And I don't know about you, but I find it hard to wake up in the mornings when winter approaches. And so what I noticed last week was how early in the morning I would get stuck, right? I mean, that's kind of funny if you think about it. I mean, it's not like a race or something like, how quickly in the morning can I get stuck? But seriously, what I noticed was waking up early, let's say around five o'clock and getting stuck on fear of getting out of bed. Can you imagine? Stuck on fear of getting out of bed. Fear of what? Fear of it's going to be cold when I get out of bed. Fear of I might get tired later in the day if I wake up so early. Things like that. And what happens is when I'm stuck on that, I just stay in bed until I have to get out of bed, until the kids come in and I realize we're in a rush to get everyone to school and everyone is stressed and this kid missed eating breakfast and that one forgot his lunch and by the time 7.30 comes around and everyone is left for school, I feel like I just want to start my day all over again. 
And I was thinking about that the other day and how that scenario was really just caused from a stuck moment. And so I took out my stuck companion journal last week and I started dissecting this story. First, of course, I took a stop. I sat on my yoga mat and I breathed. And I just temporarily got myself out of that story. That story, right, being stuck on I don't want to get out of bed, that's not my life. It's just something that came up, something that's conquerable, something I can work through. Taking a moment to just sit and breathe always helps put things into perspective. And then I started writing down the next step, my emotions. I T, I told myself I was stuck on fear. It was very obvious to me that that was the emotion I was feeling. Again, stuck on fear of being cold, stuck on fear of being tired later in the day. That was basically what was holding me in bed. Well, you know what? Maybe also stuck on desire to stay warm, right? If I'm comfortable, why would I want to make myself uncomfortable? And actually, if I think about it, there's probably another emotion there, doubt, right? That's a good one. Like, what is getting up a half an hour or hour earlier really going to do to my life? Am I really going to benefit from it? The next step, you uncover. So I already kind of shared with you these beliefs. Like, I believe waking up early in the morning is not going to affect me in any way. And I believe waking up early is going to make me tired later in the day. And I believe waking up early in the morning is going to make me cold. And so on. But of course, all of those beliefs aren't 100% accurate. And seeing them on paper, because I wrote them out in my journal, really helped me realize that they're not entirely true. So I see considered other ways of seeing this. I considered waking up early, it does affect me. Of course it does. It always does. Always, always, always. Saying that it doesn't was just being dishonest with myself. And I considered that waking up a half hour or even an hour earlier than I would otherwise probably isn't going to make me much more tired than I may be otherwise in the afternoons. I really think it's just a psychological thing. I really don't think it'll make me more tired. If anything, I actually think it'll give me more energy and more focus and more alignment for the day. I considered I could take a nap during the day if I really needed to. Now, it's true. I do work from home. Maybe you don't. So I do have the ability to take a nap if I need to. That being said, when I was working as an occupational therapist in a rehab hospital in California many years ago, I was given a half hour break in the middle of the day for lunch. But do you know what I did with that half hour? I didn't waste it on sitting in the dining room with all the other therapists for a half an hour. Instead, I always went into one of the small therapy rooms, one of the rooms that didn't have glass windows. I locked the door, I would turn off the lights, roll out my yoga mat and lay on my back for about 15 minutes. I would set my alarm just in case I fell asleep, but most of the time I wouldn't fall asleep. I would just lay there and breathe and relax. And it was after that that I would go and eat my lunch because I really never felt like I needed more than really 15 minutes to eat. 
And honestly, those 15 minutes laying down on my back was all I ever needed to feel rejuvenated. And believe me, those acute rehab days, they started early. I was waking up super early to go on my commute and start seeing my first patient by 7 a.m. So looking at my life now, I can definitely see that I can figure out a way to take a 10, 15 minute cat nap in the middle of the day. It's definitely possible. I consider that while I may be cold waking up in the morning, I'm going to be cold no matter what. (laughs) An hour isn't going to change things. And I can have a sweatshirt nearby. So when I wake up in the morning, I could put my sweatshirt on immediately. Or if I'm going to do meditation first thing, I can take the blanket and wrap it around me and keep me warm. I could also make tea first thing in the morning to warm me up. I considered if I have a hard time waking up in the morning, it's probably because I didn't get enough sleep. And this is a super important topic that I'll probably go into another time. But getting enough sleep is crucial for our well-being, both physical and emotional, which is why I try to go to sleep around 9, 10 o'clock at the latest every night. I know, I know, I know. You're probably like, what? How does she do that? I hear that from so many people. So many people laugh at me that I go to bed so early. But it's something I guess I've trained my body to do. My body is really tired by that time of the day because I get up so early. And I guess it also helps that we don't have a TV in the house. So the only real thing that would keep me awake, I guess, is the computer. And I do my best to turn it off just after my younger kids go to sleep, which is around eight. My older kids, they usually go to bed after me, so that's not a concern. I considered that my husband has become a morning person over time as well, and he's up between four and five in the morning to go on a run or biking or swimming. So, you know, I considered he's up anyway. I mean, he wakes me up because his alarm goes off and he gets out of bed and, you know, he wakes me up. He makes noise. So, I mean... I actually can choose in those moments to either be upset and frustrated, which sometimes I do, or I can see it as an opportunity to get up and start my day, just like he's getting up and starting his. I consider the mornings are just so precious to me. They really are. There's no other part of the day for me that I love as much as I love the mornings. They are quiet. Remember how much I like quiet? And they're peaceful. And everything I do in the morning is done slowly and with awareness and with intention. And mornings are the times of the day that I typically like to pray and sit in meditation and do yoga. And I get to see the most beautiful sunrises from our deck when I wake up early in the morning. I considered, how could I give that up? For what? What would I be exchanging that in for? another hour of sleep, what is that additional hour really going to give me? And finally, I considered embracing the mornings. I have a lot of things I would love to get done in my mornings. If you include prayer and meditation and yoga, that's already like an hour and a half. So I realized I could run away from that opportunity, or I can embrace it. I could say, you know, that's not for me. Mornings are not for me. Or I can say, 
yes, mornings are for me and this is how I want to start my days. I could say, this is my life. I can sleep my way through it or I can wake up with words on my lips of gratitude and praise and really align myself so that when the rest of my family wakes up, I'm ready to receive them. I'm in a space of calm and patience and happiness. If I don't wake up and embrace my mornings, my mornings aren't going to turn out the way I want them to. And so I decided to consider embracing my mornings once again, especially as the winter approaches. There really is no other part of the day like the morning for me. And if I don't embrace it, I really feel as if I'm depriving myself of a precious gift. So I invite you also to consider embracing your mornings. Now, you may say to me, Shira, I'm an evening person. I'm a night person. And if that's the case, then I totally can see how considering embracing your mornings would be almost impossible, right? It's like someone saying to me, Shira, consider the middle of the night to do yoga. (laughs) I mean, I get it. But here's what I'm saying. Just consider it. Maybe sit with it. See what considering embracing your mornings feels like. Is it something that inspires you? Is it something you want to look at? What would you need to make embracing your mornings possible? If there is some way that I could help you, maybe like an accountability partner or something like that, let me know. I would really love to be able to support you on embracing your mornings. And if you do start embracing your mornings, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you and how it may be affecting your life. In the meantime, I now have one spot left on the Getting Unstuck retreat, which is happening next week here in Israel. And I can't wait to share with you about the experience. And oh, it was my birthday last week. I turned 44. It was kind of uneventful, but fabulous at the same time. And I thought maybe I could ask each of you for a birthday gift, if you don't mind. And this is the gift. Would you mind sharing this podcast with a friend? That's it. If this podcast is something that speaks to you, it makes sense to you, it inspires you into action for your own well-being and self-care, would you consider sharing it with someone you love and encourage them to tune in as well? That would really be the best birthday gift you can give me. And I thank you for that if you do. So that is it, my dear friends, for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.